Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. And good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. We're a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 14 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African Americans in this community and abroad. Good evening again. Uh, Welcome to this broadcast because you're going to hear from a gentleman who is going to cast his hat in for a second time to run as a councilman uh, in the city of Bloomington. And um, until he arrives, he's about to park his vehicle. We're going to talk a little bit about a forum that was held not too long ago uh, with the candidates who are vying for uh, three seats in the Bloomington City Council at large Democratic primary. And they spoke uh, back in March at a night of democracy for Monroe County. That was the name of the forum. And the at-large council members uh, serve as representatives of the whole city instead of representing a certain district of the community. And the candidates range in age, background, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. They talked about a variety of issues from climate change and development to transparency and the inclusion of marginalized populations. Incumbent Susan Sandberg did not attend Jada B. of DFMC moderated. And the variety of issues uh, delved into climate change and development uh, as far as how do we develop this, this grand city, which is Bloomington, and other issues such as marginalized populations. What happens with these marginalized populations? Well, as I said earlier, we have a gentleman here that is going to help us sort of dissect this. And just for those that don't know, if you haven't guessed already, you heard his voice as we were coming on. Uh, He also has, for the last 14 years, uh, been that voice that introduces this show, this multiple award-winning show. And I'm talking about none other than a friend of mine who started out on this journey called Bring It On With Me about 14 years ago. Uh, Jim Sims is his name, and he's running for a four-year term on the Bloomington Common Council as an at-large council member. He is one of six candidates, again, vying for three seats, three at-large seats, in the May 7, 2019 Democratic Party primary. Other at-large candidates are Vox Booker, Gene Kapler, Matt Flaherty, Andy Ruff, and Susan Sandberg. As a legislative body of the city, the city council is a link between the citizens of Bloomington and their government. By enacting legislation that fosters the health, safety, and welfare of the city, The council works to represent the interests of residents while ensuring the delivery of municipal services. By statute, the council is responsible for the control of the city's property and finances and the appropriation of money. As former president of the Monroe County branch of the NAACP and an original anchoring voice for Bring It On once again, I've invited Jim on tonight to talk about his platform and the rigors of running a campaign. But we're also going to talk about some other things that he's unaware of. Uh, no, I'm not going to throw a curveball at you. I wouldn't <laughs> do that. Although I 
just might. Always making a grand entrance, and he made one this evening, folks. He tried to get my my, uh, my heart beat up a little bit, but I was cool, calm, and collected. Here with us is Jim Sims. Jim, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> having me. <laughs> Wasn't trying to get your blood pressure oh, up. I know you weren't. I know you weren't. Uh, you know. Um, now, see, this is this is a situation that the council might be able to fix. You know, we the the garage I see is under construction, and I know that you have some say so in that, and you might want to expedite that. You know, and make it maybe six or seven stories instead of I don't know what three. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. I want to go in stages tonight because there there are a lot of interesting things to talk about with Jim that many of you all don't know. But we are going to probe and and dig deep tonight. First, I want to start off with uh, growing up Jim Sims. What was it like growing up? You're a Muncieite? Muncieite. You're not a Garyite. That's I'm unfortunate. I'm not a Garyite. Uh, but that, you know, everybody can't be from that, the that that wonderful city of yes. Gary. But uh, Jim grew up at Muncie. And Jim, what was it like growing up as Jim Sims in Muncie, Indiana? Well, before we get into that, let's go back a little bit and how we started bringing on. I'm still waiting on my royalties. The royalties are being invested by the firm of... Trump and Trump. So oh, okay. you can That's expect it. a good payout. Now, now, folks, just back in to all fairness, we, we go back and forth like back this to all the time. Back um, to Muncie. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, interesting times back in Muncie. And um, when I came here to go to college, and I was at the tender age of 18. Wow. Um, went back and forth to Muncie a little bit. Um, but once I met the love of my life, and we established roots here in Bloomington, um, and then most of my immediate family moved away from Muncie, um, so I've not really been back and mm-hmm. as, as regularly uh, as I was in the past. Um, but growing up, um, I grew up in a little Bethel AME church with a, a loving, you know, grandmother. You know, it's one of those types that we say we were raised on drugs, you know, because mm-hmm. she drug us to church mm-hmm. and drug us to Sunday school and drug us to, <laughs> to this. Um, but we grew up um, um, fairly lower socioeconomic. You know, and I don't think it'd be proper to say we was we was poor, um, because we was actually poor. Um, but we grew up, um, and, and you know, had good strong family. Right, good strong right. family. Um, I was awarded the or earned the Eagle Scout Award when mm-hmm. I was sixteen, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very very proud of. And, and, and that meant you knew how to rub sticks together. Exactly and, right. And, I could and, start, and a start a fire in the rain. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and, and even back then, what I thought was real interesting with that regard is that I was even breaking and refuting stereotypes even back then. Because okay. one of the things is there was the rumor and um, a stereotypical belief that black people couldn't swim very well. Right, right. One of my proudest achievements was my mile swim badge that we did out in a lake. Yeah, and okay. I'm following a rowboat and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, but those are the type of things that, that gave me the feeling that, you know, you could accomplish a lot of things if you work toward it. Um, and, and it taught me um, or got me on the, on the start of serving, I think, because you had to do an Eagle Scout project and we did some things and uh, around the church. Um, so, yeah, that was it. I've got two brothers and um, I was raised by my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I still had my mom and dad. They went to Detroit. And you know, mm-hmm. so we were raised by our grand grandparents and then i am the first person uh to graduate college from my family okay so so those are the type of things and it's a lot easier for my children to to set that standard 
and okay. I'm proud to say that everyone in my family here in Bloomington, we are all Indiana University College graduates. All right. And I look way back and say, well, where did all that start? You right. see, and um, so. Let's. Uh, thanks for asking that. Well, you know, well, not, no, not a lot of I'm folks know that. We're, we're not through. We're not through. <laughs> just, so, so you, so you could swim. I mean, uh, was this with flotation devices or? Uh, yeah, no, I know it wasn't yeah, with yeah, flotation yeah, devices, yeah, yeah. but. Uh, uh, you swam a mile. Uh, what else was entailed in that scouting uh, Eagle Award? Because that, that is the premier award in scouting. It is. Uh, I mean, that involves survival? Uh, well, a lot of that was more after the, there's more the order of the arrow. Okay. Um, which is where you could learn uh, different berries and edible things okay. and, and, you know, how to clean up some water if possible and and these sorts of things um more of a survival but the scouts itself was more of a service oriented um, organization um so we had the scout oath and and these sorts of things and um uh pledged allegiance every time right so we had an understanding of the flag now as i grew older Mm -hmm. that that took on a little different meaning from a social standpoint absolutely um but i've never ever left that behind or, or misinterpreted what that meant as I grew older. Um, so met a lot of folks, part of our scout troop, half of our scout troop was from uh, the Delaware County Children's Home, okay. which was a little orphanage. Right, right. Um, so in many cases, when I think how bad it could be with us because we didn't have any money and you know that sort of thing and didn't have the best clothes in the world well then when i work with another group of folks that have even less than what we have um, then you truly understand how really blessed you are and many times you don't even understand that until years later right Uh, but as i look back and reflect um, i miss joey and jb and those guys and i kind of wonder what happened to them in life you know so uh, now, were you a Weeblo or a Cub Scout? You just got oh, right into Boy Scouts. Right into Boy Scouts. So even to this day, uh, the values of being trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, still ring true. Well, with you Mr. got them all. Hey, how about that? And I was Troop Two Hundred Five up right. in Northwest Indiana. Hey, troop Troop. 27. All right. <laughs> Some things in life you never forget. So I thought I'd drop that on you. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. Well, that's, uh, and I had a, a uh, tremendous dim mother as um, I was wee blow Cub Scout and mm-hmm. then a Boy Scout. And uh, at the time we had a dim mother, mm-hmm. which um, she had a large family. And I remember meeting over her house and we made crafts. We talked about life and the big treat. If, if, if we behave well, she had this basket of apples on her front porch. <laughs> it was a covered front porch, but it was cool. Yeah. Uh, and so they were the best t- tasting apples in the world because at the time, I think I was about, um, as a Cub Scout back then, yeah. about 13, 12, no, 10, 11. But as a Boy Scout, our church at uh, St. Timothy uh, Community Church was very active. Uh, Reverend Robert Laurie was involved as one of the uh, Scout Masters up there. But, you know, those are formative times in anyone's they, life. They are. And are. you said that defining moment, was it getting that Eagle, uh, uh, Eagle badge, or what was the defining moment as, as, a, as a youth growing up? Well, uh, as far as that's um, concerned, there was two things. Um, I still have a picture, and my grandma, we had, they, they had me a, a three-tier cake Okay, All right. um, with the Eagle Scout logo and a bunch of stuff there. And she dressed up. This was, she was 
very, very proud of me. So she, I mean, she had what we call your Sunday go to meeting clothes. Right. Um, right. And I still look at that. My grandma's been passing since 84, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still look at the picture and, and, you know, she has those high cheekbones and she's just so proud. And, um, and I think back on that and what it meant not only to me, but to her right. to do that. So, Absolutely. and to be part of that picture. Um, okay. So that, that was the one thing. And then Another thing that that still sticks with me is that I was also, by earning the award, I was the mayor for a day in Muncie, Indiana. All right. Um, So, you know, you just get to ride around with the mayor and see kind of what he does. Now, when you're young, you're 16, you don't really know what's going on. Right, right. um, But those things stuck with me. So if I'm mayor for a day and now I guess I'm city councilman for a while. <laughs> um, but I think if, if you look at the string and how all these things connect, um, connect, right. in particularly from a service standpoint, um, and people ask, well, how'd you get to where you are? And sometimes it's not a simple answer. It's just right. what's ingrained to you. Right. Um, we might talk about um, uh, my fraternity. And of course, our, our motto is culture for service and mm-hmm. service for humanity. Mm-hmm. Again, always service in there. You their, know, Their colors are black and gold right uh, try right. again okay right. uh I, I know they're blue and white uh, royal blue yeah. and royal. Oh, royal royal yeah blue. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and say forgive. that with a, and say that with a little <laughs> reference please uh, okay yeah we're gonna segue <laughs> into college yeah uh, but but before we do i want to ask a question okay why college well you know um i, I did really well in high school okay um and it, it just seemed like the natural thing to do. Okay. Um, I, I had a lot of friends. Um, I, I lettered in tennis in okay. high school. Right. I graduated in 1975. The only black person who even thought about playing okay. tennis was Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe. If you remember. That's and he right. won Wimbledon that year. That's right. Um, one of the reasons why I picked up golf in 97 is because, you know, right. uh, of those other influences. Um, but... You know, th- those were just the sort of things that I did in high school. Um, mm-hmm. Got really decent grades. In fact, my last semester, I remember taking what we used to call college preparatory classes. Right. Right. Um, I don't know what they call them now or something like that. But College uh, preparatory. No, they call them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think the core 40, and that may be dated because yeah. um, I remember it was when I was working at the university. There was a lot of emphasis back when I first yeah. started on the core 40. Right. But it may be something different now, but but nevertheless, you you want a track that was going to get you ready yeah, for the rigors but, of but college. But I didn't know that. You didn't um, know. That. Okay. You know, okay. and I was an athlete, um, and like I said, we were kind of poor. So there was I, I was part of this class. It was called distributive education. All right. Um, so I went to um, Bruce Parkinson. Does that name ring a bell to you? Um, yeah, Indiana basketball okay. legend okay. Uh, from Yorktown, okay. Indiana, right outside. Well, his mom was my teacher. Okay. Um, in Muncie. Um, but at any rate, um, I'd go to school um, morning, and then I'd leave at 11.30. And then what I would do is that I would go to Kmart, which was my job. Distributive education was a, a job-oriented um, program. Okay. Um, and it, you had to have enough credits and all that. So I'd leave about lunch, and I'd go to work, Kmart, and I'd work from about noon until 3 or so. Hmm. Then I'd come back to high school for practice. And you earned, I mean, you earned wages that you kept. Yes. I mean, you, it wasn't it, paying yes. back into the program, oh, no, but no, you no. earned wages. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. All right. Um, one of the things I'm also proud of, every time I got paid, I also remember I always went home and gave Grandma half of what I earned. There you go. 
Uh, Folks, you're hearing but, about you know. the, the work ethic <laughs> of, of, a cur- of current councilman, uh, Jim Sims, who's also cast his hat back into the ring to run again. Now, I, I want to ask one more question. Then we're yeah. going to segue into another dimension of, of just who Jim Sims is. Why IU? Um, there was this fantastic program called the Group Student services program All right. I do believe um, now with my grades I was fortunate enough to get a visit to Purdue okay um, and it was a little academic stipend um, and it wasn't very much money so I'm thinking you know whoa, whoa how are we gonna make this and then I heard about groups okay and they offered much more financial aid mm-hmm. um, in particular that first year right so at that point to me, it was a no-brainer where I was going to okay. go. Okay. Um, now, if folks out there have faith and if you believe in, in, in um, uh, the, uh, uh, our spiritual leader's will, mm-hmm. the good Lord's will, if you believe in will, if you believe in uh, destiny, mm-hmm. if you will. And we'll then just it, cut it, to the chase. Call, do you believe in miracles, okay? <laughs> I, I came to Indiana <laughs> University. <laughs> Um, okay. And, and that's how I, I got to Bloomington. All right, all right. Um, I thought it was because Bobby Knight had this long winning streak in basketball. No, and, and, no. And there were these people like Isaiah Thomas no, or, or Quentin Buckner. And, uh, no, we, we were caught up with this guy named Sam Drummer and, and good players like that. And okay. um, um, some other. Muncie had excellent ball players, mm-hmm. and they all played at the Muncie Central Bearcat Field House, mm-hmm. um, you know, those sorts of things. So, no, I didn't really know much about Indiana sure. University, and, and I will admit, we knew it was down south. Right. And I'm like, it's southern Indiana. This this is not cool. Uh-huh. As a true councilman, you may hear buzzes in the background. He, he is a councilman, so at a moment's notice, you know, the mayor could call a, a special impromptu gathering, and he's got to tear out running. A chauffeur-driven car will be waiting uh, for I him. Don't think so. Okay, well, I'm just trying I to help you out. That's so. all. Going to ask him to mute his phone <laughs> <laughs> for this interview. Normally, we sit side by side, and I don't have the luxury to try to uh, put him on the spot, but, but you can't because he's unflappable, and uh, he's always over the years has had a ready comeback, and it's prepared him for politics. I got to tell you. Um, and, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, more of Jim Sims, the college years, and you used the phrase, and I wrote it down: the love of your life because I know she is listening, one of your staunchest cheerleaders, supporters. She's got your back and just a lovely vision. And uh, she, um, I know, is in, just tuned in to hear her man because <laughs> I know, you know what, if anyone doesn't vote for you, she's going to vote for you. But, hey. uh, no, you're, you, I, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit later too. But for right now, i like to segue into just a uh, – a song to break things up a little bit, and, and stay tuned. Don't turn that dial. We'll be right back. All right. Just Groove. Come join us back.
no, we weren't at a Sigma party. <laughs> uh, but, Jim was, but Jim, was, Jim was, was, was having flashbacks back up in hey. here. You just heard uh, Justice's Groove by Stanley Clark, and that was the soundtrack from the movie entitled Poetic Justice. By the way, speaking of uh, movies, uh, you know um, the Avengers Endgame grossed over $1.2 billion. I heard that. Now, what if the city of Bloomington made a movie and we can gross over it? But anyway, um, we're going to get back to some conversations with Jim Yeah, let's Sims. get back to some realistic So Some realistic yeah. conversations with my friend I, I refer to as Mr. Jim. Okay. <laughs> I had to get that in there. Uh, uh, your college years. You're at Indiana University, <laughs> the premier uh, Division One school, not only in the Midwest but in the country in a lot of respects. So you're at college. You're in college as a group scholar, as a member of the group's uh, special support program uh, for students. Describe groups. Because you were not only in the program, but years later, you were in the formative um, organizing body for the alumni group. Yes. For, for, for groups. So share with us. Yes. What is groups? Well, um, groups is for a, a program is for first year um, underrepresented students. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the time, uh, mostly African-American students, um, predominantly so. Um, and I think now that has morphed over into where there's other underrepresented group, groups right, right. Um, or students that, that get a chance to education um, or higher education. So I thought that was a, a real good thing. Um, but it, it was part of, of the socialization process. I mean, right. you're away from home. Right. Um, there's our first visit we came back we lived in if you remember brown and green dormitory yes, it was do. part of Collins. they've since been torn down a long right. time ago mm -hmm. um and then in the summer uh program then we stayed at teeter right um and at that time that's when i had the pleasure of meeting my sweet doris g okay now hold on um, we're not we're no, gonna get there okay, I mean, now, right. hold, hold on oh, okay now. i mean my all goodness. right okay now now the group's program when you came down i believe uh, tuition, tuition assistance for the first year. Yes. Now it's for all four years. Yes. What do you think about that? I think it's great because um, what I was going to say is I do, as I recall, I think there was the first year 350 group students or okay. groupies we used to call ourselves. Um, and so you go through and then you get winter break. Okay. Now, after winter break, that 350 drops down to about 200 or so. And you're like, well, where are all my friends at? That's right. And Sorry. there's an assumption that they flunked out or some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and then you go into the next school year and you come back, and now there's really 125 of the group you started mm -hmm. with. And, and what, um, year, what year was that? Um, 75 and then in, into 76. Now, now I, and for the good work that the current director and uh, staff are doing now, mm -hmm. Those trends have long since been, been sort reversed. of halted and now are yes. reversed. So yes. thankfully, yes. thankfully. Yes. And, uh, and the stereotype was, well, they couldn't cut it, this, that, and the other. But a lot of times it was finances. It, it, the great majority of it was finances. That's right. Because after that first year, then you were basically on your own uh, with university financial aid. And, uh, of course, my um, great, great fraternity brother. Um, Jimmy Ross, That's right. who was director of financial aids at the time, and I right. didn't do anything special that he didn't do for anybody else, but um, took a, 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 a an interest in students that needed the financial aid. Um, right. David Hums, as I recall, was over in the Bursar's office. That's right. um, so these sorts of things, so it, they helped you navigate 
and, and figure out ways to get additional financial aid. Um, now, that turns out to be, in many cases, student loans, which is humongous in, in nowadays for students. Right. Um, my wife and I were able to um, pay them off w- mm-hmm. with no real, real fanfare. Um, in fact, when I dropped out for a while to help raise my family, I was starting to have kids and got married. Then when I went back, mm-hmm. um, I became an employee at Indiana University. So right. there was programs there that we could help to defray and offset some of the costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, and now, after a long wait, yes, uh, you know, there, first, ladies and gentlemen, there was, there was this twinkle in his eyes, but now he's sitting up <laughs> straight. His, his heart is just beating fast. Let's talk about the love of your life. Doris Jean Williams was her maiden name, and she's now Doris Jean Sims. March the 24th, just last month, we celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And of that union, we produced two beautiful, wonderful children that are, you know, grown now. They're way grown up. So um, that is the, the, the Sims family. That's We're a tight-knit. We, we believe in each other. Um, uh, there's a thing that I always like to say, and it's the three Fs, faith, family, and friends. Okay. And right. don't uh, ever underestimate the faith and the family. The friends, you know, I mm-hmm. had to add a, a fourth F because they can be kind of fickle sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but when you <laughs> when you get true friends, and, and those are the type of things that have served us well. But right. um, um, Doris was um, um, a SPIA graduate. Of course, she has her master's out of SPIA. And right. then got into, it's like the, the public service side of business. Mm-hmm. So that's more the private sector and public. And she was fortunate enough to gain employment with the city of Bloomington. Um, early on um, at at the graduate time. So back in the day, I do remember we used to talk about this and say, dear, we get our our degrees and we're out of here. We're going to go work for some Fortune 500 company and all this Mm -hmm. other stuff. Well, back in those days, manufacturing was strong. Employment was plentiful here in Bloomington, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, if you know me, I'm not the assembly line type, you know, (laughs) even though I did work at GE for, I don't know, four or five months. Mm -hmm. Um, Good money back in them days. I still had kids and rent to pay and that sort of thing. Um, And then and then as I went back to college, but in the meantime, I got into restaurant management. Okay. So I used to manage a pizza hut. Um, actually, when there was only one Taco Bell in this town and the Greyhound bus was right stationed That's next right. to it. That's right. I managed that, and I remember doing scheduling based on the Greyhound bus schedule. Yeah, so I could schedule folks there because they get off the bus and they come straight there, and that's how we, we met our profit margins and these sorts of things and, and our labor guidelines and that sort of thing. Um, so I learned a lot. And that's one thing, uh, if I can just skip really ahead. Now, when I'm dealing with city council and I'm talking to local business owners mm-hmm. and, and these folks about their, the, the trials and tribulations they have of running a business, so that's something I can relate to in having to hire students um, and, and depend on these sorts of things, um, the logistics of food costs and all of that stuff. Um, now, we didn't have the parking issues back then. Um, we just didn't have the population. In fact, I want to say, man, that back then we probably had more like 28,000, 32,000 IU students, something like that in that realm. Nothing like the over 40,000 no, we got no, now. No, no. And um, and the summers were <clears throat> vastly different than they are now. Vastly. Um, this really became, in, in a lot of respects, a small 
southern mm-hmm. Indiana town. People right. vacated, and this is back when you could hear Johnny Cougar Mellencamp singing Jack and Diane on the on the radio as you walk down the street. Well, and even before that, Johnny Cougar, as we used to call him back then, oh, yeah. it's Mellencamp now, <clears throat> um, rode this big Harley, but his day job was having a jackhammer and pounding up concrete on sidewalks really? and stuff. Okay. Yeah, see, there's a little history. In the, yeah, and sometimes yeah. the folks say, well, Jim, this, and they got to re- understand that Jim's got a lot of roots in this town. I've been here for a long time. I've seen a lot of things. That's right. Um, we've lived through a lot of these things. That's right. So uh, I just want this town. Bloomington is a great city. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have problems? Yes, we do. And mm-hmm. I'm probably getting off no, topic no, here. No, not at all. Um, but those are the type of things that I lean on is that, that knowledge. And um, uh, from a social standpoint, it was way worse back then. Right. Way worse, right. you know, um, than it is but, now. But so. the one thing I found that when times were difficult, um, for any ethnic group, especially for African-Americans in, in Bloomington or any other city with the dynamics of Bloomington, it drew you closer. And one of the dynamics that does not happen as much now is right. that when we walked to class while in school, we said hi to one another. Right. I mean, we acknowledged one another. And I noticed that the sort of reversal of that when I was working at the university and in residence life as a mm-hmm. coordinator at Briscoe. Um, it was this all of a sudden... I'm in my own world, and especially now, they're everybody having an earbud in their ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's even worse. But you know, it's just changing times. And but as time sort of the pendulum sometimes swings back to challenging times. Um, yeah, it, it, that is a dynamic that I see could could occur again. That we could all sort of acknowledge and regard and respect one another. And, and before you switch topics, and let me get sure, in go ahead. A, a little thing here. Um, my daughter, Kamisha, yes. um, is a nurse at Bloomington yes. Hospital. And she has the world's greatest smile. She has the world's greatest smile. And she got it from her mother. She got it from her mother. There you go. Okay, and go one on. of the things that I'll say is that her and her mom are two of the nicest people I've yes, I'm are. not saying that because they're my wife and daughter. They're the absolute... I don't know what so happened So you're not me. saying that I don't know what happened to me in junior. You called her during the break and oh, said, no, honey, I'm on. Nah, so, nah, okay, all right, go ahead. All right, go ahead. But at any rate, so Kamisha... Is a, a SPIA graduate as well. Okay. Um, decided to go back to nursing school and um, is an operating room nurse and okay. a charge nurse and all that. And um, um, just living a beautiful life. Um, yes. So, you know, we've got some challenges and all that. Um, but we're a blessed family. And then we've got my son. That's right. Um, now, young black males raising them has always been a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um but we had a strong nuclear family, and we could withstand all that. That's right. So I am That's so right. proud of them now, and even prouder that they decided to call or had opportunities to call Bloomington home. Yes. Um, which, from a political standpoint, is one of the things that we're looking for. How do we keep fresh talent in our more younger um, uh, um, millennial types? How do we keep them here in Bloomington? Um, So you got to have jobs that that they can uh, earn a decent living Mm -hmm. with. They got to have housing. You got to have a lot of things. Um, And as opposed to they get educated here, then take their talents elsewhere. So that's one of my goals to work with. And some of my fellow council colleagues is what can we do to create things like Dimension Mill, uh, um, create up uh, some entrepreneurial startups um, that, that people are more in line with nowadays and we don't have the manufacturing which was good in its heyday um but now we have to do other things to to engage these folks in um in the electronic world and these sorts of things so Mm -hmm. okay we just want to give a shout out to my youngins i I appreciate it and they appreciate it and uh they may even show up tonight and bring you dinner 
Okay, on the next note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk about your tenure and retirement from Indiana University. When did yes. you first start at IU? April the 20th, 1986. Oh, you, you have the date. And I wonder if that coincides with a particular date of retirement. Uh, no. Um, I retired February 27th of 2019 this year. Okay. Um, but... And, of course, you were part of Res Life and all that, so right. you know. Um, actually, before I started my tenure, my 33-year tenure in, in facilities, I actually started in dining services Okay. and got a full-time job there. Um, and we're talking about the, how different it is socially. Um, I'm in, uh, actually, I almost said Kelly, but it wasn't Kelly School of Business. It was just the IU School of Business School at of the business. time. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was while I'm working and I'm learning how to do all these cooking and I'm helping a cook's helper and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's people running around that are supervisor types. So and I remember talking to the leadership saying, how can I be one of them folks? Um, which is another trend in my life. Whatever I'm doing, I tend to go up, you know, like cream. I want to rise to the top and be one go. of those deals. Okay. Um, but they basically looked at me and was like, well, you have to have a dietetic degree, a dietitian's degree. And I'm like, I'm in a school of business. What are you talking about? So it was pretty clear to me that, um, and I don't know what it was. I, I don't even want to say the wrong thing, but it was pretty clear that that wasn't there my was, thing. There was a barrier. So I, I, I resigned and put realistic. in my two-week notice mm-hmm. and says, well, if there is no upward mobility, mm-hmm. this is not for me. Right. Um, now, I'm happy to say that that's changed a lot over the years. Right, um, right. That sort of thing. And then I started my facility. Started in physical plant um, on the other side, as we called it. Um, and about 20 years ago, June 20th of 1999, I think it was, and I came over to RPS, or Residential Program and Services, or the dormitories, as we call them. But we don't want to say that. We call them residence centers now. So you had experiences um, with um, uh, management in various varying capacities. Yes. Uh, from from products such as food to working then uh, dynamics such as uh, machinery or just coordination of services provided Mm -hmm. to them managing people. Yes. And um, when I I retired, I had about 77 folks that reported to me um, at entry level and four professional level supervisors. Um, And it was basically all geared toward caring for our student residents. That's right. Now, we have about two minutes left, really about a minute left in this segment. Mm-hmm. Tell us about this uh, insatiable love of golf. Hmm. Do you still consider yourself to be the Tiger? Uh, I've never considered myself that. Because I was going to correct you if you did. <laughs> but tell us about this insatiable love for golf. <laughs> Again, I mentioned Arthur Ashe a um, long time ago, uh, in 1975, and um and I'd started, we weren't part of the country club scene. I learned in a city park with the chain link fence and all of that. Right. Um, that morphed into high school, me and my best friend, Ronnie Cates. So we were the two black guys on the tennis team, which was just unheard of at the time, mm-hmm. just like golf. But then I picked it up in 1997. Um, unfortunately, and you know, back in the day, man, I had a wicked jump shot and nobody could guard them. I'm just quick and, you know, great defense. Well, Father Time will catch up to you in your uh, knees yeah. and your oh, ankles yeah. and this it. sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and the guy said, man, you try golf? I said, man, golf is not even a sport. What are you talking to me about? Mm-hmm. Well, then I tried it, and, and the thing that kept driving me is 
if I hit the ball with a golf club and it don't go where I want to, then my the thing that drove me was this little white ball and this club ain't smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sound like uh, your good friend, um, uh, well, Frank Motley. Frank Motley, who right. uh, who has a little treatise whenever he talks to anybody <laughs> about playing golf. He he gives this to you to say, first read this and let's go out and, and I'll yep. show you some things. Well, well, we're going to transition to another segment. Yeah. Um, and I will say before we do that, that you've been very competitive in some of the city tournaments yes. along the way. And yes. um, you... Did you win one, or did you run her up, or did you win one? I won one. You won one. 2017. Okay. All right, 2017. Flight number one. All right. So yes. remember the the sensation as Tiger Woods pumped fist the air, fist pumped the air, and, and jumped up and down and got a green jacket. Jim got a black blazer <laughs> for winning it all. I don't know what you got that year, but but, but we were all we were all proud of you. <laughs> we're gonna be, before he responds, we're gonna we're gonna segue into into another musical selection. We gonna get you. Change it now, just you and me. 
Right, you heard it here live. Jim Sims trying to branch off into that next career as a wake up as everybody. a Motown singer. <laughs> um, but, but I thought that was appropriate because I want to transition now to what all of America's all of Bloomington is, is waiting to hear. You now you're not a newcomer to even serving as a current councilman. You ran before. I did in 2003. Um, and I remember there was a lot of excitement in the black community about you running. Yep. Tell us what happened. Um, a, I was a novice mm-hmm. um, in the first place, um, and I ran in a contested race. Um, current city councilman Chris Sturbaum mm-hmm. in District 1, which is where I live, um, and I lost to him. I can't even remember. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. it was a pretty close election. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he won, and I never say I'm Sims, but he's Sturbaum. His mom and dad were teachers, um, and and school administrators, and you know, so he had the name recognition. Um, and I didn't understand all that at the time, and how that would translate um, into uh, campaigning and running for political office and that sort of thing. Right. Um, I get along great with Chris. I mean, I think he's a you know. Right, he, right. he gets along fine. But, yeah, I did, and um, I followed um, Paul Swain mm-hmm. uh, two terms after that because um, Paul Swain was the first African-American, the first black man to serve on city council in Bloomington um, in our 200-year bicentennial history, I might add. But then he did one term, and he didn't want to do it. Then Is he still else. in Bloomington? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I rarely see him, but when mm-hmm. I do, it's generally out on the golf course because sure. he plays a little bit. Okay. Um, and then Chris won, and then, but that didn't stop me from doing public service. So that's when I got into all of the boards and commissions that are as part of my history now. Started off in the Board of Quality Housing Appeals, uh, and late, you know, way back, actually even before I ran for city council. Mm-hmm. Um, culminated with Board of Public Service. I did a little bit of time on the Plan Commission, mm-hmm. um, Commission on the Status of Black Males, um, Utility Service Board, um, just things that I can do to bring a different perspective um, to, to the city discussion, to these dis- dis- decisions, um, but at the same time, increasing my knowledge on, on basically how civil city works. Right. and. Uh, to that point, you were also involved uh, with the BBSA, and these are acronyms I'm going to throw out, but then uh, Mm -hmm. decipher these acronyms and tell us a little bit about that uh, organization and your involvement with it. BBSA. Bloomington Black Strategic Alliance. And its uh, purpose, mission? Well, it started out as a matter of communication, because you got uh, all these uh, African-American-based groups Mm -hmm. around, Mm -hmm. and it's nothing more frustrating than you schedule an event and then you find out that there's two more events scheduled. Absolutely. Um, or you miss out on something. So the, the strategic alliance started out as a calendar. Mm-hmm. 
um, so we can kind of coordinate so every all groups knew what other groups were doing. Mm -hmm. So we don't have a president. It's not a we don't have elections. Um, it's a more of an in, invitation thing. We invite you to come and be a part of the scheduling, if you will. And then mm -hmm. we use that to support each other. See, people don't realize, a lot of people don't realize how vibrant the black community is in trying to address challenges or to promote things within the black community and, and in others. Uh, but I, I do recall uh, back in April that the HT sort of covered uh, the BBSA, and there was a quote that came from there. Um, it said the group expressed gratitude for the support of allies, but asserted that Black people have a unique set of lived experiences that can only be fully articu articulated by black people. And then also the Alliance's focus is on communication, as you mentioned, among community mm -hmm. groups, and particularly the need for black organizations to coordinate activities and, elim and eliminate duplication of effort. And that you were uh, one of the founders, or you were the founder. Oh, uh, no, I'm not the founder. Um, uh, like Stephanie um, Power Carter. Mm -hmm. uh, is, a, is a part of that, Donald Griffin, you know, or uh, uh, William Hosea, mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll miss someone if I keep talking. Right, um, so you we'll know, say so that just a myriad so of uh, individuals, I think there were eight, folks. Yes, the elite eight, or, well, or no, no, well, no, no, I'm, I'm just, just, that, just using the basketball metaphor, but uh, <laughs> that was me, but, that was not Jim. But, um, but to go back to the, the speaking and the lived experiences part, a uh, part of that grew out of, if you remember, we, the city purchased an armored vehicle, right? Um, and there was this big talk uh, about militarizing to the police department. Um, now there were some things going on behind the scene. Now, from my standpoint, there was the Bearcat. You know, that was the vehicle that was being purchased. When I would talk to the mayor and, and, and the police chief, say, "Man, you can't bring that thing in here. Um, that's the one. That looks like you use it in Syria or use it in Ferguson." So, but I also think thought it was very important to protect. Um, our critical incident response team or CERT team members. Right. Um, there's weapons out there that go straight That's through right. police cars. And so I thought that was That's important, right. but I didn't think it would militarize. Right. Um, well, those that were in opposition were coming up and said, well, they're just going to use this to, to roll over and mow down black people and, and disenfranchised people and protesters and um the BBSA or the Strategic Alliance, we kind of got tired of hearing other people out there speaking about us black people right. as if they were us or part of us or and no one's a, ever talked to, to us. Right. No one's ever talked to us. Right. So we felt a need to, and we, we wrote a letter, sent it to the mayor, um, got an interview, I want to say in Bloom Magazine, went in HT, um, and it was just a clear to say, no, we need everybody. We all have to be allies. Right. Um, but I can't speak for you, and so you can't speak for us. And it's like you said, we have certain um, lived experiences, certain experiences in our life mm -hmm. from diversity, from how we were treated, um, from some of the institutionalized racist practices and these sorts of things. So it's really, really hard if you're not one of us or a black person right. to, to have and share those experiences and speak from right. that um, standpoint, right. and that's all we were saying. So right. some folks will, you know, well, you this or that. Well, no, because um, you didn't say you it's know. impossible. You just said sometimes and oftentimes the best individual to speak about a situation is one who's lived it or going through it. Mm -hmm. um, you are the former president of the uh, Monroe County branch of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Yes, sir. Uh, anything to say about that? 
Um, loved it. Um, and then when you start to talk about allies, there are so many social justice or social equity groups, and many of them are white groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned that you cannot make progress in a vacuum. Now, you can make some, but um, in particular in a town like Bloomington where your black population is 4% or around that, um, you have to branch out and uh, get common goals. And that right. common goals was social equity, mm-hmm. social justice, and non-discrimination. Mm-hmm. So we would partner with other groups that shared those same values. Um, things like the, the UU or Unitarian Universalist um, Social the name of that, uh, social justice task force right. um, there was this group at the time surge mm-hmm. um, Monroe County surge show up for racial justice a um, couple other groups um, Bloomington United was one of those right. um, and other groups that just want to help uh, the better of men of mankind mm-hmm. so we made a lot of those partnerships and I think that's kind of how we grew a lot got a lot of members um, I used to catch a little flack sometimes you know from here or there um, from a membership standpoint but as long as we're on the same um, the same plane and, and we're shooting for the same goals and it's all about social justice in particular and never forget that the NAACP is to represent black people right. historically and right. non-discrimination. Right. So we can't be taken off that task. Right. And it's been you fortunate see. to have uh, support from people from all races. All but, races. And everybody that has joined has understood that creed and that, that yes. focus and mission. Finally, uh, very quickly, um, MCBDC. Now, uh, decipher that. Uh, the uh, Monroe County okay. Democratic Black Caucus. Okay. Um, in about 30 seconds, that one, because I want to give you some time to talk about your platform, but mm-hmm. then share with us a little bit about that. Well, um, if you're aware of, of like a PAC or, or some political mm-hmm. um, action committee developments, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of based on the Democratic Women's Caucus, mm-hmm. but more it was part of the Indiana Black Legislative Caucus. And that was kind of the format that we, and they had little branches around the state. Right. Um, and so and we formed that here, and it was um, uh, Nicole Bolden and mm-hmm. William Hosea, mm-hmm. you know, that group, and a bunch of us got together, and that was born for that from that. Mm-hmm. Immediately picked up and supported very strongly by the Monroe County Democratic Party. Um, so when these folks say, you know, we have a tent big enough for everybody come under, well, they walked the walk um, and supported this group, and, and that's where we are today. Um, now, um, I am a member. I'm not part of the leadership, um, but they have a lot of say-so in um, educating the public about uh, uh, the candidates now and what mm-hmm. they stand for. And you know, and there's different things, but again, you understand from their endorsement, we are about black candidates. Okay. You know, now we will reach out, and you got to be multicultural and do certain things, and there's mechanisms for that, mm-hmm. which it just grows and grows. This is a great community. I think I've said that a couple times. Now, uh, this conversation was designed for you to kind of intersperse your platform mm-hmm. throughout this hour, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you the final two minutes to wrap it up and tell us uh, what you want the public to hear. 
Well, one of the things I'd like to say first and foremost is I am just the second African-American that sit on the city council in our 200-year history. Now, that's not something I want to hang your hat on and, know, you know, that's all Jim says. That's not. I think it's important from a, a, a societal standpoint. Um, but the things that I represent and I think I bring, we talked about that perspective, that, that different perspective of lived experiences. I think that's one of the things I do bring to city council. So when we're talking about budget and the armored vehicle and how much money we're putting in park and rec, it is my point and my intent, and I do, is to make sure we include the marginalized people, the minority groups, um, the black and browns, if you will, mm -hmm. um, so that that's always part of the discussion and the uh, uh, the dynamics of what we're doing. Okay. Um, now, of course, my platform is, you know, I, I served on the Board of Public Safety, so pl uh, public safety is very dear to me, and particularly police, um, fire. Um, uh, preserving Bloomington's core neighborhoods as best I can, Lake Monroe, which is our main water source. Mm -hmm. So you, know, you should have gave me more time to talk about no, all this. No, actually but, I did. But I know you did. And one of the yeah. things is is that um, what I think and is what I've heard from others that my participation there is that I have the experience. I'd like to think that I bring a common sense approach, um, thoughtful approach. And one of the things that I'll say, and we can leave on this, is that the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. That's right. So we can listen twice as much as we talk. And I think that's one of the things that I do um, in representing the folks. Being an at-large candidate, I represent the entire city, not just a district here or there. All right. And on that note, uh, Jim Sims, thank, thank you for introducing your or reacquainting yourself to the citizenry of Bloomington. Thank um, you. Thank you all for your patience. This conversation was designed not to delve so much into uh, I would say talking points, but then to understand the person who's making these points, who they are and what they stand for. So our thanks to Jim Sims, current member of the Bloomington Common Council as an at-large council member. He is one of six candidates vying for three at-large seats in the May 7th, 2019 Democratic Party primary. Other at-large candidates are Vox Booker, Jane Kapler, Matt Flaherty, Andy Ruff, and Susan Sandberg. Bring It On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is on at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is on at wfhb.org. Our show's All producer right. is yours truly, and uh, the voice for many years of bringing On, it was the gentleman I spoke to tonight, Jim Sims. And this show has received much help from the WFHB News Department Director, uh, Wes Martin, and the news team. Tonight's uh, board engineer was Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamil FM, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. Tune in next Monday, May 6th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. Vote, people. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.